0: Sunday. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. It is good to have you. My name is Jason Bentley. I serve as the lead pastor and we're starting Christmas and we're thrilled that you are here to be a part of it with us. And today I want to start a new series that will be our focus over the next few weeks called Christmas Conspiracy. And so if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter number one. And one of the things that we provide is a a resource. It's a free app, the Waterview app, and I'd encourage you to download it because one of the things that's in it is a digital worship guide and all the message notes are there. You can follow along in the event that you didn't bring your Bible or or something along that line. So make sure you, you join us today in the worship guide. But John chapter number one, is going to be our focus, and really we're just going to build on this anchor passage, this foundational text. John chapter number 1, and verse number 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'll pause here and say that probably if you're used to reading the Christmas story, traditionally you're going to look at Matthew, or you're going to look at Luke, because there we are introduced to the traditional idea of Christmas. We are are introduced to Mary and Joseph and Bethlehem. But John here in the beginning of his book is also giving us some insight into Christmas. But this is actually the beginning of the beginning of Christmas. He goes way, way back before Mary, before Joseph, Before Bethlehem, and he starts at the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And if you do have a paper Bible, you should underline that. You should highlight that. If you've got a smartphone, you can digitally highlight that. Use the blue or the pink. It looks the best, in my opinion. But it says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light Which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Of course, we're still talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that amazing? All that did receive him who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then I love how it concludes, for from his fullness, we have all received Grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And from this, we're going to start today talking about Christmas conspiracy. I hope I hope the the title was titillating enough to to grab your attention and maybe provoke you to have you join us today and for the next couple of weeks because I feel like now anytime you kind of want to get people's attention you just have to use the word conspiracy because we are living we are living in the day of conspiracy theories like we have never seen before in the history of mankind not to say that We have never had conspiracy theories in the past, but it is like today in December of 2023, everybody is obsessed with conspiracy theories. I mean, you probably know somebody that every time you talk with them, every time you see them, In fact, it's gotten so bad that when you do see them, you try to go the opposite direction. But every time, they're going to introduce something new that they have discovered or unlocked or become privy to in the Internet. Anybody know anyone that I'm talking about? Is there anyone like that here today? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. But we are obsessed with conspiracy theories. I mean, it goes all the way back to, and I'm I am, let me just clarify here, I am not giving any commentary or endorsement to any of the following things that I'm going to mention and highlight. We're just establishing some context here today. But conspiracy theories that go all the way back to Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. Or conspiracy theories like we actually did not go to the moon, or that JFK was actually assassinated by the Italian mob or by the CIA. Uh, what are some other conspiracy theories that, that we love to, to to focus on that we love to highlight? Elvis is alive. Tupac is alive. Biggie is alive. The earth is flat. Area 51. Aliens. And now with the advent of AI, dear God, there is a host of conspiracy theories that we can now run with. Because we could actually see a picture or a video of the people having what it appears to be the conversation that sets up whatever it is that we want to convince ourselves to believe. And because we are entering the holiday season, most likely we're going to be spending some time with somebody, an extra amount of time with somebody that is obsessed with conspiracy theories. In fact, I I recently was was working with a guy. I love him. He's such a good friend. And really, one of the highlights of my day was to find out whatever new conspiracy theory he was kind of fascinated by and involved with. But you might have a family member that's maybe not so enjoyable or so endearing. And so I just kind of wanted to help you out here in the beginning and give you some, just some good practical advice for when Uncle Ted has a few drinks at your holiday gatherings. And he starts screaming to you and everyone else about all the conspiracy theories that he's become aware of through his deep dive into Twitter. And I want you to know how you're going to be able to fend off your conspiracy-obsessed relatives during this holiday season. This has absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. I'm just throwing this in for free because I love you and I care about you. But if you're sitting by somebody at the dinner table and they want to start talking conspiracy theories, here's how you'll deal with Uncle Ted. Just fire back as he's talking. Just come back with an even weirder theory of your own. Like you can just make something up, but just fight fire with fire, come back and say, Oh, yeah, Uncle Ted, well, have you heard this? And then just run with it. Another thing, another thing that you could do is tell him that what he's saying must be true because you heard it first from a source that you cannot name. ...that is currently in Washington, D.C. and is behind closed doors and rubbing shoulders with the powers that be. Another way that you could deal with that person is just before the dinner, you kind of know who it might be. So leading up to that, just start in your social media or wherever would be appropriate, emails. Just begin dispensing some cryptic messages yourselves... Maybe just hide some code words like write an email and have the whole email be normal, but a couple of words put in bold and send out three or four of those. So at the end, if the person adds up all of the bold words, it actually is some cryptic message that you want to communicate to them. And then Uncle Ted's mind is going to be blown. Another thing you can do if he's got you cornered is just start looking around furtively and frantically and then inform him that the conspiracy theory is exactly what the government is wanting him to believe and then last but not least if all else fails as you're sitting at the table and he's talking with you just begin to descend and slip down very gradually under the table and then crawl on your hands and knees out the back and escape it once and for all. So just some free tips to help you out today as you're navigating people that are obsessed with conspiracy theories. I'll be honest with you. I I can't say that I would put myself in the category of Uncle Ted, but I I have some some mild interest in conspiracy theories. I, I don't stay up all night. I'm not putting... Uh, clippings of newspaper articles together, nothing like that, but of course i i 'm intrigued by the idea of it i don 't allow myself though to get too wrapped up into it because i don 't want it to to consume my life, but I am interested by it, and what makes conspiracies so attractive? What makes them so desirable to all of us well. The word conspiracy, and, and this is going to be kind of the, the big idea by which we build this series. the word conspiracy means a group of people who conspire together to go against a cultural norm. And I, I want you to let that sink into your into your minds and sink into your hearts that a conspiracy as we are referencing it, these next few weeks is a group of people that would be us who conspire together. And that's what we're getting ready to do with the help of the Holy spirit to go against a cultural norm. And the cultural norm that we're going to go against together, that we're conspiring to push back against and fight against is the American Christmas holiday experience. That's what we're going to conspire against. One of my favorite Christmas songs says that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. And I hold on to that for nostalgia's sake. But let's be honest. When you think about the norm For the American Christmas holiday season, it is anything but wonderful. And what do I mean by that? What exactly is the Christmas norm? Well, the Christmas norm now here in America in 2023 is a whole lot of consumerism. The Christmas norm is a bunch of traditions. The Christmas norm is a lot of entertainment. And the Christmas norm is, and you'll say aloud amen to this, a ton of busyness. Think about all of the holiday parties that you feel obligated to attend, that you've been invited to attend, all of the special things all of the shopping, all of the wrapping, all of the cooking, all of the stuff. That's our Christmas norm. Consumerism, tradition, entertainment, busyness, and the result in my life, and I'm sure it is in yours, is stress. What should be the most wonderful time of the year, what should be a a, a very hope-building time of year, is full of stress. It's not full of joy. We sing joy to the world, and we sing silent night, but this season is anything but silent, quiet, peaceful, and certainly not joyful. And so today, I've come, as we're kicking off this series, to to make a proposition. I want us to start a conspiracy today. I want us to conspire against that cultural norm. And I want us to change that. We may not be able to change it for an entire nation. We may not be able to change it for an entire generation. We may not be able to change it for our neighbors. But let's conspire together to change that in our lives and in our families. I mean, it's early on. It's December the 3rd. It's the first Sunday of the Christmas season. And if you are from a traditional church background, it's the first Sunday of the Advent season. It's the perfect time for us to make a decision to change what is the cultural norm, what has been the norm in our homes and for our families for Many, many Christmases. Let's conspire together today, friends, to recapture the meaning of Christmas. Let's conspire together to capture the heart of the season. Because these weeks that are leading up to December 25th are meant to open up our hearts to hope to cause us to slow down, to cause us to, to bask in the awareness and the realization that God has come, that he entered human history to be seen and known and so that he would see and know us so that purpose and forgiveness and healing and salvation, so all of that would be a reality in our lives. So let's have a Christmas conspiracy and let's go against the cultural norm because it has been that way since the very beginning. And I'm not talking just about Mary and baby Jesus and Bethlehem and angels. I'm talking about what John wrote about. And we read it together. You go back to the very beginning it makes it very clear. In the beginning was The word. We've got God who is a spirit, and then John acknowledges that God is. Is speaking, that God is filled with thoughts, that God is speaking, and that word that filled his mind and that came out of his mouth, that word was with God and that word was God. And then later on in human history, that word became flesh and came and walked among us. That is Jesus. But John also said there was a conspiracy that happened because at that time the norm was void and darkness. Darkness. And John says this. John says the light shined in the darkness. Something different happened. Something unique and unusual took place. There was light in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That tells me that if we in 2023, thousands of years removed from that original. Christmas conspiracy that means that you and I although we may be surrounded by consumerism surrounded by busyness surrounded by darkness we can have the light of Christ in the middle of that and all that other cultural norm all that other darkness is not going to be able to overcome what we have set our hearts and our minds to do together today. There was light, and the darkness did not overcome the light. That's the good news here today, that if you do decide there's going to be a Christmas conspiracy in my life and in my family, I'm going against the cultural norm. All that other, while it may be ubiquitous and it may be found everywhere, it's not going to be able to overcome what Jesus is wanting to do in us, through us, and for us. So let's talk a moment about this cultural norm. Whether you realize it or not, and I I shared this fragment with our our team this morning during huddle, as we kind of step into the season, whether it's Thursday night, after we're done eating, we start putting up all the decorations, or maybe you're like some of the others who will start decorating for Christmas before Halloween, and you're listening to, Sister Mariah Carey sing, all I want for Christmas is you since Labor Day. God bless you if that's the case. But wh- wh- whenever it happened, wherever it happened, at some point you clicked into holiday mode. And subconsciously you clicked into one of a few options. You clicked into the cultural norm. You clicked into survival mode. That's a possibility. Because you know the busyness is coming, the exhaustion is coming, all of the things. The debt is coming. You click into survival mode. And for these next few weeks, you're going to be operating in survival mode. There's others of you, and I think I might know who some of you are. When this day arrived for you, you clicked into party mode and you're just ready to live it up and party. Come on, bring on every possible gathering there is. Bring me the frosted sugar cookies, bring me the eggnog. Let's go. I'm ready to rock around the Christmas tree. Let's do this and we're in party mode. And then there's others of us. We kind of we click into like traditional mode. We've all got different traditions. Like we've got certain movies we watch every year. Shout out National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Shout out Elf. Shout out Fred Claus. Shout out Four Christmases. Shout out Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. Amen. If you know good movies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we got Die Hard. We've got movies we want to watch. We've got songs we want to listen to. And we even get kind of traditional when it comes to, like, faith and religion. Some of us will go an entire year and literally not even not even think about Jesus. But because it's the tradition now, we'll click into tradition mode. And we might have a manger scene put up in our house. We'll listen to songs like Silent Night, O Come, All Ye Faithful, Joy to the World. If you listen to the lyrics, are actually rich with faith and rich with spiritual meaning, but we're just kind of in traditional mode. And we'll probably show up to church for Christmas at some point this month. We'll sing, oh, little town of Bethlehem, because we're in tradition mode. But, but we're, we're today embarking on a Christmas conspiracy. We're, we're conspiring together to go against the cultural norm. So here's where I think it should begin. Instead of us being about tradition this month and just letting ourselves just read Luke chapter 2 and not think much about it and sing all of these beautiful songs and not think much about it. Let's, let's view this month, December, as a time for spiritual growth instead of tradition. That's how we can have a Christmas conspiracy. That's how my family and my home and yours, your Christmas, how it can be different than, than your neighbor's. And your coworkers, because we're going to be focused on spiritual growth instead of tradition. Because the true meaning of Christmas, the inescapable origin of the season, is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And where we have gone wrong is that we've allowed ourselves to become dull. And we've allowed ourselves to to, to lose the, the, the magic associated with all of that. And we've just relegated Jesus to the category of ancient history or some nice tradition that we dust off every December when we pull out the Christmas tree. But what if we were to think about the significance of Jesus more deeply? What if we realized that, you know, we, we as humanity, we messed up royally. We rebelled and we rejected God's authority. And now there is hurt and chaos in our world. And everyone's just talking about all the hurt and the chaos. But we never really look at why. But the bottom line remains, the world is just messed up. And and sickness and death and every kind of heartache is the result of us going the opposite way of God. Rejecting God. And you know, God who's got all power and who is righteous and holy and just, he could have scrapped this whole humanity project. But since his very nature is love and his very makeup is kindness and compassion, he chose a people for himself. He wanted to have a relationship with us. And so when the time was right, this loving God, we read about it in John 1, this loving God took on human flesh. He left the splendor of heaven and chose to be born in this world that he created, but he chose to come as a helpless child. And God coming near and God establishing his kingdom on earth, which is the hope for all of humanity, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And this is why we worship for all that we're worth. So if we're going to have spiritual growth instead of tradition, we've got to build worship into this season. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this about worship. He said, that which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts define what we worship. We look at the original Christmas in Luke 2 and we see about wise men that come and and what do they do at the first Christmas when they're beholding Jesus? They worship. And we see some, some things there even in that story that worship is personal. Meaning that this Christmas filled with tradition like your grandma can't worship for you. your loved one that maybe you're trying to make happy in, in regards to faith, they, they, they can't do it for you. Worship's personal. It's gotta be something you choose to do. It's something that you've got to, uh, to, to let, you've gotta let Jesus dominate your imagination and your thoughts. Worship is also passionate. It involves the very fiber of our being, the very makeup of who we are. True worship is going to cost you something. Worship is passionate and worship is sacrificial. It's about going all in. And this Christmas, what if, instead of just singing a couple of songs here or there, what if we just really got personal and passionate and sacrificial about coming near to Jesus? And then the last way that we're going to be able to, to make it about spiritual growth instead of tradition, is this just letting this whole season remind us to not only believe in the possibility of miracles, but to also believe for miracles in our lives. Because this season, it is a reminder to not only believe in the possibility of miracles, virgin birth, an angelic choir, all of it, but it's also a great time to believe for miracles. Come on, keep believing for what God has put in your heart. There's still unanswered prayers that you've not yet seen come to pass. There's there's still some things that you've been pleading with God for and holding on to God for and putting your trust in God for. Don't, don't stop. Let Christmas remind you that you can believe four miracles in your life because nothing's impossible for Jesus. And then the last way, the last way that we're going to be able to have a Christmas conspiracy and go against the cultural norm. We, we've, we've identified and we've recognized that busyness is a big part of this season. Here's how we can have a Christmas conspiracy. Let's focus on family instead of busyness. Let's make quality time with our family more of a priority than getting to all of the things getting all of the stuff checked off the list, making sure that we accomplish everything that we're supposed to do every Christmas. Let's just decide that we're going to slow down.